This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. Freddie is uh, not in today. I am filling in for him, Gabe Notch, along with Harry Douglas. Harry is in New York again today. Are you using the Chris Canty microphone today, Mr. Harry Douglas? No, it's too high. <laughs> so I'm in, I believe, yeah, Michelle's seat is to the left. I'm in Evan's seat right now. Okay. Evan Cohen, I'm in his seat. So that's just a little more comfortable for you. That's about the right height. Yes, yes. Chris Canty's seat, I would need... I would need another. <laughs> I gotta watch the way I say You're it. Just like staring at the <laughs> microphone right now, just completely intimidated at how tall the microphone is. Oh, how what, Gate? How tall the microphone is? Oh, pause. <laughs> Gabe has just made our pause library. <laughs> Freddie and Harry <laughs> on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. Of course, ESPN Radio presented by well, I was thinking about this. Insurance. Sorry for cutting you off, Gabe. No, so, so typically, it. when you're sitting in the seat and you need a, a, a booster, right, and you're not sitting on the wood like Harry was, <laughs> um, you would get phone books, right? Do, yeah. they, do they still make physical phone books? I th- if I don't think so, they do. when's the last time you used a physical phone book? It, it's, oh, oh man. man, it's been a long time. I used to deliver, me and my father and my brother, like we used to raise money for like for our, our AU basketball team, and we used to package the phone books and go deliver them uh, to different homes and stuff. Those I, those were the good old days, boy. It was a hot days too. I think it's probably been at least a decade since I've seen a phone book. There was an apartment I moved into right when I moved into Milwaukee mm-hmm. where they delivered like a stack of phone books that were sitting kind of in the common area where your mailbox is, the apartment building, but. I think that's even the last time I saw a phone book. The last time I used a phone book, I, I mean, we're, when I was we're talking kid, like 20 probably. years ago. Yeah. yeah, like high school. I mean, because, yeah, like the, when they had the flip phone or that first Nokia, like these damn phone, kids are spoiled nowadays. Where you could play, you know, you're playing the snake game on the phone. But, like, yeah, the, the last time you couldn't just look something up on your phone, yeah, that's got to be. Speaking of spoiled and looking something up, and that made me think of something else. Map when you quest? Would, when you would ask, look, before even oh, that, yeah. when you have to ask someone how to spell something, and then your parent would say, look it up in the dictionary. <laughs> Wait, well, that's why I'm asking you, because I don't know how to spell it. How am I going to look it up in the dictionary if I don't know how to spell it? Sound it out. See, these kids got it too good. They can just ask Siri now. They don't even have to look it up. Or, or try to, like, directions. Like, we didn't have the navigation systems. So you literally oh. had to map quest things. Print out the directions and follow the directions on the paper while you're driving. When I was in college, I my parents like my big Christmas gift. Like the one thing I got for Christmas was one of those Garmin like that GPS systems. I was so excited, like because it was like state of the art, like GPS in my car. I don't have to print off MapQuest yes. and try to be. It's it's dark outside. I'm trying to read and drive on this back road. I might hit. I mean, I, I grew up in rural Wisconsin, so there's a chance I'm hitting a cow instead. You know, I'm trying to read where I'm going, trying to find where Highway P is. I have another one for y'all. Y'all remember when gas was 98 cent, 99 cent, 109? Oh, I do. Man. Right when, that was right when I first started driving. And it was yes. like 20 bucks to fill up your tank. It yes. was great. I, mean, I, I literally used to go to the store and put $4 in the gas tank. <laughs> $4 in the gas tank, man. 
But that, I mean, that would get you a long, I mean, you yeah. can get a ways with $4 in the let gas get, Let me get, let me get, put $4 on, on, on pump five. I gotta go see my little thing. I gotta go see my little thing, man. I need some gas. So the fact that you walk in there and then you still gotta look back at the number. Let me get $4 on pump, uh, pump two. You gotta like lean, you got pump two. Oh, man. Those were the days there, boy. Man. Well, the days for the Eagles may have been earlier this season when they were 10-1. and Now they're 11-5 and thanks to a 1-4 skid in their last five games. They have, I mean, gone from being a Super Bowl darling to everyone thinking, okay, this is a team. They lost the Super Bowl last year, but they can make their way back to really not a lot of people believing in them. Can the Eagles even turn this thing around, Harry? It's going to be hard. I don't. I don't think they're going to be able to do so. Now they're going to make the playoffs. We know that. But do I? Do I feel like this team? Do they have the makeup right now to make a deep run and another Super Bowl run? No. Nope. 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 Because defensively they're so bad. Right. You look yeah. at their secondary oh, total yeah. defense. They're twenty third. Pass defense. They're twenty eighth. They're they're allowing two hundred forty nine uh, yards per game in the past, like through the air. They're they're twenty ninth in points allowed allowing 25.1 points per game, but then they're 30th on third down defense. So you can't get off the field on third downs. How are you going to win football games? And I think the teams that we see are, are probably going to be in the playoffs in, in, in the NFC, you have to defend through and through, not just the run game, but the pass game. They have given up 100 yards rushing in every game since their bye. Went into the bye at eight and one, and since then their run game, their, their run defense has been atrocious, and that's allowed teams to go play action, hit them over the top. When you get that run game rolling as an offense, that's ooh, you can get in your bag, and everything is available to you. You're not going one dimensional, and that's hurt their pass rush because they can't just pin their ears back and get after the quarterback because they haven't been able to stop the run. And I, I, there's nothing I think they can do against the Giants. Who, by the way, I mean, if the Giants put up some points, I don't think anybody would be shocked because Tyrod Taylor had them playing pretty well last week. And if he can actually hit the little foot pass to Saquon Barkley, they get the upset over the Rams, and the Rams would be fighting for their playoff lives this week. So that's not a team I don't think is going to just wave the white flag and give up for the Eagles despite the Giants already being eliminated. But the other thing is the Giants haven't been good all year. So even if the Eagles get it together and look good against the Giants, I don't think that's going to get me believing in them. I don't even know if they buy into that. Like, oh, okay, we just needed the one game to kind of turn things around because it's been bad. Even in their one win, it was bad against the Giants a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so this defense, Gabe, um, this defensive line, this team led the NFL in sacks last year with 70. Mm-hmm. They just played a game versus the Arizona Cardinals in which they allowed – Let's see, 221 yards rushing and a touchdown, and they didn't have a sack. Zero sacks in a ball game for this unit that has Hassan Riddick, Josh Sweat, Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, and Jordan Davis. How I don't even know how that's possible with those names I just mentioned and not getting a sack or having, or having the inability to stop the run versus a team that's going to be picking in the top five in the NFL draft. This is a team that's already tried to switch defensive coordinators. They didn't relieve their... I mean, I guess they relieved him of his play-calling duties. They did not fire their previous defensive coordinator. And they've tried a couple of different things. And Nick Sirianni, during his press conference today, this is never a statement you want to hear from your head coach. Because he's saying if they knew the problem, it would have been solved already. I don't give a 
what we are out there and what our record is or anything, what losing streak or winning streak it goes, we're going to go out there and we're going to work our minds on the detail of what's going on full speed to the snap out there in walkthrough. And then high intensity at practice. There's no magic to this. Like, hey, we do this or this or that. Like if we if we knew exactly what it was, we you know, these last couple of weeks, we, we would have done that. So it's about going to work every single day. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Didn't I say earlier, like, some things is not meant to be said or for us in the media to know? Yep. I, I think that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, we knew what was going on. But that's your damn job as the head coach is to figure out what's going on. Because it can't just be, hey, we played one game. Okay, if, if you, I give you one game. But you've lost four out of the last five. So you mean to tell me in those five weeks you still don't know what's going on with your team? Or he probably isn't saying what's wrong with this football team. Well, Maybe he does know, or he's not just saying what's wrong with this football well, team. Well, I, if he did know, I don't think he would say, well, if we knew what it was, we'd have fixed it by now. Yeah, like, anytime point. your coach says that, he is clearly out of ideas. Like He's tried some different things, they've done some different things in practice, and they just cannot figure it out what the exact issue is. Ask Big Dom. Big Dom. Dom, you know, Big Dom, you know what's going on? He was in the action on the football field. Big Dom, what's going on with the team, man? Maybe Big Dom knows. <laughs> That's nobody, <laughs> nobody seems to know when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. Well, him, well, the, well, the, the body say, language thing really with quick, him, though, though is... Because yeah. body language is everything, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and In every single sport, and you even tell kids... Hey, you got to watch your bad body language because when you know when, when players are younger and they lose or things don't go their way, they have that body language because they're upset. Yeah. And for AJ Brown is a phenomenal player, and I'm not going to sit up here and say, "Hey, AJ Brown is the reason why ABCD is happening." But at the same time, you are or you have been the best player offensively for your football team this season. So when you show the bad body language, it's allowing people to see what they want to see. Even though you might be saying it's one thing, other people are going to see what they want to see, and they're going to point to that and say, hey, this bad body language, he's upset, he's mad, he's not getting the football. They're going to assume whatever they want to assume because they're seeing it. We used to have in our meeting room, man, when I was with uh, receiver coach Terry Rubinsky, we used to find each other in our meeting room when it was bad body language. Like our our receiver coach told us, man, if a quarterback misses a a ball, don't be throwing your damn hands up. You don't know – what defender is coming down the barrel of his chest about to knock him out, or you go back there and play quarterback and let one of these guys that's 6'4", 
265 pounds try to knock your damn head off and you figure it out when you got that kind of pressure going. So we, we never showed our quarterback up and body language is everything, man. Like in, in every single sport, it really is. No, 100%. And A.J. Brown, again, I, I give him credit for saying things like this because he is taking ownership over some of the body language and all the other things happening right now with the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, I thought be, being there present at the Cowboys and Eagles game, I thought the body language by everybody on their offense was horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And I'm going to compare it to someone, Joe Burrow and company, right? I remember yeah. Joe Burrow, and I was at the game when he got sacked nine times. Hell, look, looking at Joe Burrow, you would have never— one? It's you, happened a lot. You would have never, never, never been able to tell yeah. because his body language never said so. So that's why I say you got you got to keep things uh, in the house, and also you want to keep things from being in, infectious, right? Because one bad body language may lead to two bad body languages, and then those two bad body languages may lead to ten b- bad body languages. So you don't want it to be, you know, something that that enters the entire team or, or, or other people to think it's okay, especially young guys. Yeah, and, and here is what AJ because AJ Brown's not a young guy. He's one of your better players on offense. He is one of your offensive leaders. Here is what he had to say about him being upset. Everything that I do, if I say something, I do anything. I'm classified as a monster. Honestly, the, the the opposite. You saw my frustration on the field. It wasn't about the play call. It wasn't about none of that. It was about my guy getting banged up. I'm gonna need Smitty moving forward. But that was that was it. You know, I apologize to my teammates today. You know, because uh, they shouldn't have to answer questions on my behalf. You know, you can portray me however you want to portray me, but you know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, like, I know who I am. So I try to be careful what I say because you guys still going to write it up however you want to write it up. I was a journalism major. That's your job. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I'm not upset at none of y'all or whatever, but that's just what comes with it. And, and it's a fine line too, Gabe, because, listen, A.J. Brown is a competitor, and he's someone that I would love to play with, and a lot of people should want to play with at some point throughout their career and if they had the opportunity to. You love guys to want the football. You want guys to want things to be right. You want those type of players that want to win all the time, right? So so it's a fine line, right? But you got to kind of control things too so people don't have the opportunity to portray you as, as uh, in a manner that they want to portray you as. Well, because what he has to realize, and, and in that clip he said, well, I watch what I say. Well, it's not even just watching what you say. It's watching what you do as well, yep. kind of going to that point. It's not just, oh, i got to be careful with what I say. I don't think you have to be as careful with what you say. It's about careful what you do because that's where people can really kind of run with it. Let me tell you why. It. Let me tell you why. Every time something doesn't go right with the Philadelphia Eagles offensively, you want to know where the TV broadcast cuts to? A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown. Oh, and they're going to do that. And it, th- that's a narrative. If you get stuck with that narrative, that you get hit with that. I mean, they even are though he's not that type you. of guy, the, the oh, cameras yeah. are going to cut to AJ Brown. Yeah, last year, last year in Green Bay, Packers had a lot of young receivers. Every time an incomplete pass, that camera could not get enough of Aaron Rodgers yep. just to see if he rolled his eyes or threw his hands up or see if he was getting frustrated with the young receivers. Once that narrative exists, it is not going anywhere unless you. And it's a tough thing now for AJ Brown, but you got to be perfect. You got to be absolutely perfect when it comes to that body language because that's the only way a narrative like that is going to die before the end of the season. When it comes to Jalen Hurts, he is saying that it's communication that's the key to turning things around for the Eagles. Whether it's a winning streak or 
a tough time, a good time or a tough time, regardless of what it is, it takes constant communication to try and continue to build. And uh, that's exactly what we're doing. Boy, he's so cool, calm, and collected. <laughs> <laughs> he's and, got the answer. I mean, Sirianni should just went to him. Clearly, communication's the answer. Well, I mean, communication is key in everything. You know, <laughs> marriage, mm-hmm. at work, with your bosses, uh, and especially when it comes to a football team because – there's nothing like football, right? You need the man beside you. You need the coaches. Everyone needs each other. So that constant communication has to be there through and through. It can't be, hey, we're communicating frequently for four weeks and then one week we drop off. Well, that one week you drop off, that's when something may blow up because you haven't communicated in the proper manner. So it, it, it's key to success. And the Philadelphia's, man, they got, they got to continue on because they're going to make the playoffs and if they want to have an opportunity to try to go back to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to get some things together. Now, offensively, they can't change the defense, and the defense is going to have to figure out something. But offensively, I think at some point they can get right. I don't have that much faith in the defense, though. Well, and the winning winning seems to be the cure-all here, right? I mean, it's the cure-all no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the middle of something like this, like if they just fizzle out, you know, let's say they beat the Giants this week, but then lose, go on the road and lose to Tampa Bay or whoever ends up winning that NFC South, these questions are going to continue. These questions are going to linger over their entire offseason. But if they win and then win two playoff games, go back to an NFC championship game, but run into a buzzsaw that has been the 49ers for most of the season, I, I, these questions are going to get erased because then it's going to be, oh, yeah, they had that issue. Remember that five-game stretch? They had those issues, but they won their last three games, played for an opportunity to get back to the Super Bowl. This team is clearly back on the right tra- track, and that's a hip- hiccup. It's wild how important these next just two to three games are going to be for the narrative of the Eagles offseason. It's crazy when you bring up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because if everything ended like it stands right now, that's who the Philadelphia Eagles would play in, in, in the first round. I, I'm not. I can't just sit up here and be like, "Hey, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna win that round because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they Baker Mayfield, the way he's been passing the football, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin and company, man, I, I, that 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 defense is going to pressure Jalen Hurts and figure out the Philadelphia Eagles have found their way in those regards because that's what Dallas did when they played Dallas recently in Dallas, Texas or Arlington, Texas, I should say. They really brought the blitz and they made that offense be non-existent out there in the football field. Yeah, that. Everybody, I think, and they'd probably be favored. The Eagles would probably be favored if they go into Tampa Bay, but I think that ends up, with all the points you've brought up today, if that ends up being the matchup, that's going to be a closer game than I think a lot of people yep. realize uh, if that indeed ends up being the matchup. And all the Buccaneers have to do is win. Buccaneers win. They win that NFC South. Let's go ahead. Triple eight, say ESPN, the Dr. Pepper call in line, 888-729-3776. We do a little reminiscing at the beginning of the segment, talking about gas prices and how everything used to be so cheap. Uh, Sergeant in Memphis has a, a comment on all that. Sergeant, you are on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Uh, good evening, guys. Love the show. Thank you. So, man, I, I was sitting here with a Kool-Aid smile on. You, you said a dollar a gallon. My, my first summer job, I was 12. Gas was 44 cents. Oh, man. And a couple of weeks ago, you did a show about your first car. Mine was a Buick Electra 225, the old deuce and a quarter. You can hit a tank with it and win chip the paint. <laughs> that deuce and a quarter. Gabe, like, deuce and a quarter, Gabe. That thing, that deuce and a quarter. 
A lot of us in this culture, Gabe, had that deuce in a quarter. <laughs> There's a certain culture that had that deuce in a quarter, deuce Gabe. Quarter. Yes, sir. <laughs> Certainly always appreciate calls like that on that Dr. Pepper call online. Triple eight, say ESPN. Coming up next, we are going to talk about all things NFL, maybe getting a little bit of, uh, you know, some draft talk. Because I, uh, I think we've got some questions to see how a former NFL executive would evaluate somebody like Michael Penix Jr. We're going to talk with Lewis Riddick coming up next on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. Along with Harry Douglas, I'm Gabe Nigel filling in today on Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 8, of course, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. We've been taking your calls all day, asking the simple question, which NFC quarterback do you have the most confidence in heading into the postseason? You can join that conversation. Triple eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Let's go out to Brock in Virginia. Brock, you're on ESPN Radio with Gabe Nigel and Harry Douglas. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, so it's got to be got to be Matthew Stafford, right? Um, and I'm not even going to waste my call to argue because I think a uh, Super Bowl winning veteran quarterback makes the argument enough for himself, but instead I'll explain why it's not the other one. You guys asked the pure question of what quarterback do you trust, not what situation, who's playing the best, it's who do you trust. Going into the into the game, the games this weekend, you got to trust Matthew Stafford is a veteran. You know, Brock Purdy's not a game manager, he's a great quarterback, but you saw the three games where he didn't have the rest of the team around him. He didn't play his best football, right? Dak has shown in the playoffs before who he is, and I don't think that's just going to change all of a sudden with one decent year, right? And I think out of all those quarterbacks, none of them have been in the position that Matthew Stafford has been in, and none of them have been consistent enough when the time has came when it's only them who controls the game and they don't have a perfect situation or everybody else around them. you got to go with the vet. Well, I I think we've seen some of that from Dak Prescott this year, though. Everything that you just mentioned, we've seen that from Dak Prescott in 2023. Now, if you want to talk about previously, you're right. And we have have seen that from Matthew Stafford. We've seen Matthew Stafford. But we also got to remember that Super Bowl run, Matthew Stafford threw a lot of interceptions that year and leading into the playoffs as well. He wasn't on his high horse. But because of Matthew Stafford being a veteran, he was still able to ramp things up when playoff time, playoff time came around. When Todd Bowles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers decide that they want to go cover zero, leave uh, all the corners on the island, have no safety help, and then he hit Cooper Cup, and then, boom, they won that football game. And also we've seen a no-look pass in the Super Bowl to Cooper Cup as well versus the Cincinnati Bengals. So you have a great argument. I'm not going to sit up here and, and, and argue against you because Matthew Stafford, he's been there, he's done it, and he has that hardware on his finger to prove that he is best suited for those situations. At the same time with Stafford, look, I, I understand he's the one of the NFC quarterbacks who has that Super Bowl. Hell, he may be one hit away from not even playing. Well, but also, like, 
he wasn't that guy until he was. Like he lost his first three off three playoff starts. Granted, those were all with the Detroit Lions on the road, but he was zero and three. Like he wasn't that guy. So to be like, oh, Dak's just going to choke every time. Well, I'm sure you you know heading into the 2021 playoffs with the Rams, you probably could have said the same thing about Stafford until he came through. I feel like this is a different Dak Prescott. Me too. And look, are the questions about postseason performance fair? Absolutely. I think it's the same thing if we were to flip this over to the AFC. Lamar Jackson looks like he's going to win the MVP, but there are going to be questions about his postseason performance because of what happened last time when he won the the NFL MVP and the way they lost in the postseason. So I think the questions about Dak are fair, but also I think this is a different Dak and this is a different opportunity for the Dallas Cowboys. I think he is more prepared than maybe in any other playoff run before to really kind of step forward and try to get back to the Cowboys because for the Cowboys it's not even you know and clearly they want to get to the Super Bowl but they haven't even played in an NFC championship game since that 1995 season the year they won the Super Bowl with Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin Emmett Smith Barry Switzer was their head coach at that point and this is something that Mike McCarthy has always preached when he gets to this point in the season you have to have that playoff mindset and that's exactly what the Cowboys have right now going into this week against the Commanders we have a lot to play for and it's important for us to make sure that we go down there and uh, you know win this game and do it the right way you know in a lot of ways the playoffs you know everybody's been fighting these last couple of weeks and the games have been incredible and I think we're definitely lined up for another great Sunday Winning the NFC East, I think, would mean a lot to Mike McCarthy because that was something when he was in Green Bay, he always talked about, all right, here are the tiers. Tier one, you win double-digit games. Next tier, you win your division. And then you just continue to stack the successes and build off of that. And I think he's trying to do that in Dallas as well. They've made the playoffs, but this could be the first time they win that NFC East with Mike McCarthy as their head coach. And all they have to do to be that number two seed, to have that NFC East crown, is beat a commander's team on the road. Granted, they've struggled on the road. They haven't won a road game since November 19th. But I would think they should be able to get the job done here and guarantee themselves potentially two playoff games inside AT&T Stadium. Well, and it's sweeter because you took over the play-calling duties, right? You took over that and you said, hey, we're going to go down fighting with me as the head coach and also the play-caller, and we're going to let bygones be bygones. But I also thought it it took a great amount of strength for him to be able to say, you know what, I, I might be holding our offense and our football team back trying to say that we're going to rush this football when we don't have the makeup of a rushing team through and through. So you allowed Dak Prescott to be Dak Prescott. And I will say this, too, about Dak going into this season, uh, going into the playoffs. He's also a guy that, unlike Matthew Stafford, who has Kyron Williams, right, He he's a guy that it's going to be on his shoulders how they move forward. There's no, hey, we can rely on the run game. Nope, it's none of that in Dallas. It's all Dak Prescott from an offensive standpoint, right? How is he going to play? How is he going to diversify this football to the tight end, to the wide receivers, right? How is he going to be able to open up things for the run game to have some kind of breathing room? It's not the other way around in Dallas. It's not, hey, run the football, then the pass game should open up. It's, hey, we're throwing the football, and the pass game is going to allow the run game to open up. Which NFC quarterback do you have the most confidence in heading into the playoffs? Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Let's go to Kim in Dallas. Kim, you're up next on ESPN Radio. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I'm a first-time caller. Um, Certainly appreciate it, Kim. Well, thank you. And, and Dallas isn't, it's 
I'm a Dallas fan, but the Bears are my birthright team. I'll just make that clear. But um, anyways, I do have a lot of confidence in Dak. But why I'm really calling is, why is nobody calling in and talking about the penalty that the ref blew before the whole two-point conversion debacle? The triple I mean, the, it changed the whole landscape of the final two minutes. That was like a 30-yard swing. Yeah, so it was a tripping penalty that should have gone against, um, you know, it, it is, you know, it is something that happened in the game, but I missed calls. The reason why I think more people have focused on the two point conversion portion, Harry, and again, it feels like we, we've got Cowboys fans who, who want, you know, to talk more about the tripping penalty. Missed calls happen. Yeah. Like they happen throughout the course of a game. And Thinking one guy reported when a different guy reported, that to me is something completely different. That is more of a technical thing, something that you should have gotten correct versus, hey, missed calls happen. Sometimes they happen at really inopportune times when, you know, you think of the most egregious pass interference penalty they missed in the NFC Championship game a couple of years ago with the New Orleans Saints. Oh, you know, I'm like, not mad about that one. Yeah, like, th- I mean, th- those things happen, but... When you should be able to get the mechanics down, especially when a coach talks to you before the game, I think that's why that stands out more than missing a call, which does happen from time. You you don't want missed calls to happen, but the officials are human, and the calls are going to be missed from time to time. And you've seen how frustrated Dan Dan Campbell was in his post game presser, right? He couldn't mm-hmm. even stop tapping on the on the wood, Paul Shannon. <laughs> he couldn't stop tapping on the desk. Because he he literally went to the referees before the game and explained this through and through. So for it to get called, that's why he was so ticked off. Mm-hmm. That's why he really was. And then when you see a guy like Jared Goff tell Decker to go, hey, go report to the referee, yeah. that's why you're upset and you're pissed off because it costs you the number two seed. And at, at worst, you're going to get two – Playoff games at home if you're able to win the first one, right? Yep. You're going to get two playoff games at home. And then, but that now is it the situation that Dallas is in, in which we know that Dallas, when they play at home, they've been outstanding this season. Yeah. And then you have that opportunity that if the number one seed loses, you get to host that NFC championship game. That number two seed is such an important one to have. And mm-hmm. it was decided on that. Because the Cowboys now have that head-to-head tiebreaker over the Detroit Lions. And I think that's why it's focused on just a little bit more. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Which NFC quarterback do you have the most confidence in heading into the postseason? Let's go out to John and SC. John, you're up next on Freddie and Harry. Hey, young man. Good good show, good show. Uh, It seems like the jury's voting, and I'm with them. They've already said everything you can say. It's Matthew Stafford. Uh, and talking about that, I'm old enough to remember gas. I'm 70, gas at 32 cents a gallon, and a whole meal at McDonald's for under a buck. So we can get really old if we want to. Oh, but now man. Stafford's got some cool things going for him, really. That, and I'll tell you why Purdy and well, we all just talked it all over. Stafford's obviously got the experience. He's got the hot hand more than one or two weeks in a row now, which is great. He's also still got a good, healthy offensive line, if I'm not mistaken. So with those three things, Purdy, he doesn't have the hot hand four or five, six games in a row. And Dak Prescott, I think, is the skilled most skilled quarterback out there yet of those guys. 
But he's got the Cowboy curse, and, you know, that's the sad part for him. He'd be a champ on another team. He's got Jerry Jones. So right away, the Cowboys keep getting eliminated until they get rid of that guy. But other than that bad joke, I guess, it's really Matthew Stafford just because of those three things. Well, I'll say this. I don't think the Cowboys curse is still there because their owner, Jerry Jones, did the right thing this weekend. He put Jimmy Johnson in the Dallas Cowboy Ring of Honor where he was supposed to be. And and it it was a special thing to see because when you see Emmitt Smith and Michael Irvin and Troy Aikman – and all those guys excited for a coach, and you can tell that they're emotional and how they embrace one another. They knew that Jimmy Johnson should have been up there long time, a long time ago. And for that to be able to happen at Dallas at AT and T Stadium, you know, on a night that where they were able to actually win the game versus the Detroit Lions, we don't know. Maybe the curse is gone now because Jerry Jones did the right thing, man. Maybe that's what it was. It. I mean, the the ref got the call wrong because the curse was lifted. Hey, Spike Lee. I didn't Lee, think about that. Spike I didn't Lee, think about that. Spike Lee made a movie called "Do the Right Thing," Gabe. Jerry Jones did the right thing. It's about damn time. Man, that's that's a great point. I mean, if the Cowboys aren't cursed anymore, the sky's the limit. <laughs> Maybe they can actually pull this off. They're going to get a couple of home games if they can win that first playoff game, if they do indeed win this weekend. Again, with Jimmy Johnson's name now on the facade inside AT&T Stadium. We're going to go back to the AFC coming up next here on Freddie and Harry. Because the AFC South, while it has yet to be decided, it is a very interesting division. Not even just for this weekend, but going forward. So which AFC South franchise is in a better situation going forward? Is it the Jags, the Texans, or the Colts? That's next. Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Gabe Nigel filling in for Freddie Coleman today on Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, along with Harry Douglas. And it's amazing how much a narrative can change throughout the course of the season because going in... I don't think anybody thought much of the AFC South. I think everybody went in thinking the AFC South, NFC South could be potentially the worst two divisions in football. And yet, while the AFC South doesn't have a dominant team, you know, like the NFC North does, it's become one of the more interesting divisions, I think, not just this year, but going forward, because everybody thought that the Jaguars, after making the playoffs, winning this division a year ago, winning a playoff game, coming from behind and beating the Chargers, that they were ready to take that next step. That with their head coach, Doug Peterson, who's won a Super Bowl, with their former number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, seemingly growing under his tutelage, that they were going to take that next step and be closer to the Chiefs and some of the other great, the the Bengals at the beginning of the year, obviously, with Joe Burrow, and take a step closer to one of those elite teams in the AFC. That hasn't happened, but the Texans and Colts, credit to them. These two franchises, these three franchises, really look like they're set up for success going forward. All three of them believe they have their quarterbacks of the future. All three of them believe they have their coaches going forward. So the question is to you, Harry, which AFC South franchise is in the best situation moving forward? Is it the Jaguars? Is it the Texans? Is it the Colts? Let me say this first. I think this entire division for the next five to seven years is going to be a treat for all of us to watch. Because of what you just mentioned, though, Gabe, you talk about the quarterbacks, and I'm even going to throw the Tennessee Titans in there because I believe in Rand Carthon, who's now the general manager for the Tennessee Titans, that he's going to get things turned around in Nashville, Tennessee. But you look at Will Levis, and you look at you know Trevor Lawrence, you look at C.J. Stroud, 
You look at Anthony Richardson when he's able to come back. Uh, and you also you look at all of these head coaches. When you look at you know Mike Vrabel, what he's been able mm-hmm. to do since being in Tennessee. You look at Shane Steichen, what he's been able to do in Indy without the starting quarterback that he named and backup quarterback, you know, Gardner Minshew. And then D'Amico Ryans with the Houston Texans and what he's doing. And then Doug Peterson. I think this division is going to uh, – could be one of the best moving forward. Now, who who is the team that I think I, I trust the more, trust the most and, and better set up for success? I'm going to go with the Houston Texans because I believe that C.J. Stroud has the most upside of all the quarterbacks in this division at this moment right now. Anthony Richardson can be a dual-threat guy, but Anthony Richardson is going to have to be able to stay on the football field. What C.J. Stroud has been able to do in his rookie season, and it's not just the passing it for a lot of yardage. It's the way he's completing the passes, on the move, from the pocket, three-step game, quick game, intermediate, the deep balls and how accurate he is in doing so, throwing outside of the numbers, throwing in tight windows. But we've seen a few times this season with C.J. Stroud where this football team was down late in ball games, and he was able to lead game-winning drives. I can't ignore things like that because he just has that clutch gene, in my opinion. I also like the the rest of the, the makeup of their team because they have a lot of young guys. Oh. Tank Dell, even though he's out with injury right now, mm-hmm. he's going to be coming back in the relationship between him and C.J. Stroud. Nico Collins, another Nico. young guy, oh. stepping up tremendously right now while Tank Dell is out of the ball game. Dalton Schultz, who they brought over in free agency from the Dallas Cowboys. You look at their offensive line and Lermy Tonsil, so you have that dog up there. And then the two-headed monster in the backfield with Devin Singletary and Damian Pierce. Now you go over to the defensive side of the ball, and you got a Will uh, Anderson Jr. I really like what Sheldon Rankins had, the way he's been playing and being dominant on that defensive line. But if you look in their secondary, you got a young guy at the safety position, Jalen Petrie from Baylor. And then Derek Stingley Jr., he's starting to come on, in which everyone's been waiting for it. And we've seen those flashes this season. So I'm going to go with the Houston Texans. Um, I like what Bobby Slowick, his, his, his growth from the preseason to the regular season. Because, boy, I was worried in that preseason because seeing C.J. Stroud get hit over and over again, I was like, man, got rookie head coach and a rookie play caller. But both of those guys figured it out. D'Amico Ryans figured it out, and so did Bobby Slowick. So I like the Houston Texans moving forward. I am still not – I'm not sure if there's a wrong answer here because it, I think, really you know, you, when you take a look at how good Anthony Richardson was early before he suffered that injury, and they've got playmakers over there too. Jonathan Taylor continues to get healthy. I think that can really open up things, some fun things within that offense once Richardson comes back. I'm still not giving up on Jacksonville just because I really believe in Doug Peterson as a head coach. I think, obviously, Trevor Lawrence has gone through some more growing pains than maybe we thought this season – but that's another team. I mean, you want to talk about playmakers. The playmakers that they have over there in, mm-hmm. in Jacksonville, I mean, that is a roster that is also, I think, really set up for success. And it just, you know, Trevor has to bounce back and play more like the player he was a year ago. But having all of those pass catchers that they have is just, 
I think this is another team that could just take off. The way that Calvin Ridley's played. They have Evan Ingram. I mean, everybody made fun of them for, for paying Christian Kirk a couple of years ago. Travis Etienne. Yeah, they have really grown as an offense. And Etienne being healthy, I think, makes a difference. This is still a team that I am not ready. I'm not you know going to give up on Trevor Lawrence. The, the turnovers have been just too high this year. But I think that's something that with Doug Peterson as your head coach, you can work on that and you can take that next step forward. I'm still saying Jacksonville, although, again, hard to argue with all the points you made about the Texans. This is going to be one of the most fun divisions, I think, in football for the next five to six years because of the young quarterback talent and the coaching talent that they have. And I think the only thing that worries me about the Jacksonville Jaguars, because, listen, you listen, everything that you said is right about this football team. Because they do have a lot of weapons. They do have the pieces uh, defensively. What Josh Allen has been able to do, the defensive player Josh Allen, that is, uh, has been been phenomenal. But the inconsistency for me, and we've seen it last year, and coming into this season, I was like, hey, this football team has to be more consistent. Trevor Lawrence, he has to be more consistent. But then we see it creeping up again within this season of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think moving forward, they have to learn how to be more consistent as a football team, and especially the quarterback position of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I think that can be one of the hardest things, especially once you start to get that praise the way that they did because they won a playoff game a year ago and they were in the divisional round when I don't think they were really expected to be especially with the way that's, that that playoff game started against the Chargers a season ago, it can be tough, and I think you can bounce back from that. And again, I think that's what Jacksonville does. I, I have no idea if they bounce back and win the division this year, finish outside of the playoffs. That's going to be one of the interesting things in the NFL this weekend. Coming up next, can Jordan Love do what Aaron Rodgers could not last year? That's next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast.